And uh, we're doing things a little bit different today. So, y'all ready? Did I say y'all? It's for you guys right there. We are from southern Idaho. If you brought your Bible with you today, go with me to the book of Mark chapter 10. And we are going to begin this new subject today. And like you see, uh, Amy's helping out and going to share with us some, some uh, wisdom from her experience and delightful relationship with me. <laughs> it's, it's interesting when we uh, think about the subject of, of marriage and relationships. It's very, it's very common that individuals who really excel in, in teaching and helping others in regards to this often have some great testimony where their, their marriage was on the rocks and they were this far away from divorce and they hated each other and threw, you know, frying pans and stuff and, and all kinds of stuff. And then, you know, they put to practice these principles and turned everything around. Our, ours is a little more boring than that. I've never thrown a frying pan. She has not thrown a frying pan yet. Uh, <laughs> um, in this regard, though, that uh, we've been married uh, just about 21 years now, and and uh, thank you, thank you, and and we don't, but we don't have some uh, doom and gloom story at some point where we almost lost it. I mean, that's that's a good thing. We're happy to say that doesn't sound as good. Almost like the you know you hear a person who gets saved and. Their testimony is, I was a drug addict, and I was in prison, and I did this, this, and and the Lord turned my life around, and we're like, woohoo, that's great. Another person says, I got saved at five, and uh, stole a cookie out of the cookie jar once, and thank God Jesus forgave me. (laughs) One's got a little more teeth, but how many know, really, the second one is better, you know? And uh, and so we want to share with you. Uh, you know, some things that we've learned and we understand and some things, some things that are really working for us in our lives. And, uh, and so, good, good. Yeah, I, I really had to look pretty far um, from my immediate family growing up to find somebody that had never been divorced. And so, um, you know, it was pretty common, I thought. It was common. And so uh, we just want to encourage you today that if that's been your past, or if you have been divorced or you had family that was divorced, well, that pattern can be broken right now. And it doesn't have to continue to the next generation. It doesn't have to continue in your life. That's right. And um, so we're just here to offer some hope today in that area. Good, good. Now, we live, of course, in a world where, where marriage is supposed to bring much happiness. It's supposed to be a source of, of fulfillment and contentment and and pleasure and joy. How many know that the thing that God intended for for that, for our well-being, is often um, turned around upside down, turned on its head, and it actually brings a lot of sorrow to people as well. But knowing that's the case, whether your experience is is good, whether it's great, whether whether it's horrible, marriage is still God's plan. Mm -hmm. It really is His design. It's, It's something He came up with. Therefore, even just by its own very nature of existing, it has the potential to be extremely satisfying, extremely joyful, and, and, and to have much benefit in our lives. The, the, the union of a man and a woman that God intended, it can still be great even in these days. 
And I realize I'm talking to individuals, some of you, it is great. And let's keep it going. And this is going to strengthen you. This is going to help you to just keep going more and more. And then many people are just existing. You know, people, sometimes people live like roommates. And they're married. They're still together. They're not planning anything different. But it's not full of joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. And, and I believe it can be. But listen, if you're, uh, if you're single and you want to be married, this is going to help. Okay? If you're married and want to be single... Uh, <laughs> Woo, doggy. <laughs> Just slow down a little bit. All right? In other words, seriously, don't make any decisions yet. Let's talk. Let's, ha- let's, let's seek the counsel of God as we discuss these matters and, and see what you can learn and grow and how the Lord will open your eyes because it can turn around and become great again. And so I would encourage you not to throw in the towel. Um, uh, we, we were at a, a wedding last year. At the, at the reception, uh, there was a young couple uh, sitting there, and I forget, they had been married either a few months or maybe a year, and we got to talking with our, we haven't been, haven't been married a little bit longer than that, and they, so they were asking um, for, for tips. They were asking, what's the, what's the key? What's the key to a successful marriage? Of course, there's a lot of components, a lot of things that can be discussed. We'll deal with a handful of them. Uh, a lot of things that can be talked about when, in regards to marriage. Today, I want to focus on this very simple foundation of a successful marriage, and that is called commitment. Okay? Commitment is something that is leaving our society in a lot of areas. And so let's just chat about that for a few minutes today. You looked up that verse there, right, in, in Mark chapter 5. Um, the, the disciples, they were asking Jesus about divorce. They were asking, why did, why did Moses give them a, a, the permission to write a certificate of divorcement? And, and, and Jesus answered, verse 5, said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Why were they permitted to get the divorce? What? Because of the hardness, hardness of their heart. That'd be something to avoid, huh? Verse 6, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then... They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So one of the things we can see here right from the get-go is that marriage has a God element to it. When, when a, a man and woman are joined and they become no longer two, but one flesh, it is said in Scripture that God was involved in that union. Isn't that powerful to think that God is involved? So already that gives me a, an expectation, a hope that there is a potential for these relationships to be really good. It's, it's God's idea. Yeah. And he's involved directly in causing a man and a woman to become one flesh. So there's a, if you're married today, there's a God element that's going on in your life. Yeah. Now, now maybe it's tucked away back in the closet. Maybe you haven't thought about it for a while. But I tell you, there, there, there's still a, a God thing that's, that, that's happening there, and we should acknowledge that. Our purpose then today is, is not to uh, just prevent divorce. Of course, those of you who have been, uh, you probably could tell it firsthand how it can be very painful. 
and a very difficult thing to go. But my goal is not just to survive divorce. God has a better plan than that. You know what it is? Is that we thrive, not just survive. Is that we enjoy life, that we have relationships that are so rich that our kids want to get married. Why? Because they saw it at home and thought, yeah, this is good. If this is what it can be. Now, again, like Amy said, you know, in her situation, it wasn't always that way. And many don't have that example. But it can still be turned around when we get hope from the Word. And we start seeing things from God's perspective. And so, uh, one of the deals when we ever talk about commitment is you have to remove any hint of if. You have to take out the language of maybe and might be and starter wife and, and, and that type, there, there can't be if and maybe. You know, one of the things um, I've heard people say over the years, I've heard individuals make this statement. They'll say, I am committed to my marriage. To, yeah, that's right. Committed to making my marriage work. And that statement has always bugged me. I thought, that doesn't sound right. What do you mean you're committed to making your marriage work? Why don't you just say, gentlemen, I'm committed to my wife. Ladies, I'm committed to my husband. Not like, I don't like anything that leaves a gap, that leaves an opportunity. I'm committed to making this work. I know it might not work, but I'm committed to making it work. No, I'm just committed to her. That's what I told her. That's what we said at the altar that day. That's what I'm committed to. So what about work, working, schmirking? That's a separate issue. See, there are things that we can build on top of commitment, but they don't take the place of, and they can't be the foundation. When we start with that, now we can go somewhere. Everybody understand what I'm talking about today? Okay. Our society has changed. You know that. Uh, Years ago, when it came to the marriage relationship, there was societal pressure for people to stay together. If someone was divorced and their marriage failed, it was considered to be a a great failure in their life. Okay? Now things are different. And even though I don't want anyone to feel condemned and beat up over mistakes they've made and, and losses they've had in the past, at the same time, this is not serving us well in the sense that people enter this relationship frequently with the idea of there's a back door. I'm going to go in, but if it doesn't work out, I can get out. That is a wrong mentality, okay? That's a wrong approach to this. And if we ever want things to excel to the level of God's blessings and His hand being upon us, we've got to do things His way, okay? And it is an all-in mentality, It is not going, we're going to try this out. We're going to see if this works. Yeah, and if we get our information from our culture and our society, we're going to get closer to somebody, but I guarantee you that it's not going to be God. The person you're going to get closer to is yourself because the culture teaches you to be selfish. And um, we... um, I I am a little bit of a student of history, and so I was... um, thinking about this saying that they had during World War II. It was the home front motto, and some of you might remember or know it. It's, um, uh, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot it too, because the first time I ever heard it was first service. Oh, dear. And I, I left my notes at home, so. Uh, use it up, wear it out, make do, or 
Somebody got it, do without. And so, you know, if you know that, you're get, you're, you have to go buy a pair of shoes, and this is going to be your last pair of shoes, maybe ever. You don't know when you're going to get another pair. Your thoughts about the process are a little bit different than they are, like, say, us, you know, today. We can, we have, you know, probably, I, I don't know, I have a few pair of shoes in my closet. And these are not the ones I would buy if it was my last pair, I'm saying. But, um... <laughs> yes, you do, sweetheart. <laughs> so I just—I was thinking about that and that mentality and how you know they were trained to use things wisely and to take care of what they had and how our society has basically done a 180. And we start teaching children from birth that everything's expendable, everything's disposable. We are just surrounded by excess and by um, so many choices. And so even we see a toddler, you know, they break a toy. Well, we just throw it away and buy them a new one. Instead of training them and teaching them to take care of what's been given to them. And so then, you know, we see later they go to school and they don't like their teacher. Or they, they don't like the coach or the, you know, we don't think as parents they're getting enough playing time. So we just find a new one. And, um, you know, they get your teenager has their first car and, well, it's not cool enough. And so they need a new one, and they find someone to co-sign for them, and pretty soon, you know, 100 million easy payments, and it's theirs. And, uh, you know, we were inundated with all these uh, recreational and uh, entertainment choices, and so if somebody comes to us with a better offer, we'll stand someone up. And uh, we get involved in a relationship, and, and, well, we just want a new one. Kind of tired of that. And you do that a few times, and so basically you go through your whole life learning how to not... Be committed. And um, we know a family who, every time their child had a conflict at school, they just took them out and found a new one. And so after six schools, we determined that that child probably didn't really learn how to be committed and to deal with conflict. All they learned how to do is when something gets hard, you leave. So Yeah. You know, it goes to uh, items like prenuptial agreements. Yeah. Uh, you understand what that is when a couple goes into a marriage and says, yeah, but if this doesn't work, here's how we're going to divide the assets. And uh, how many know that's, a, that's just a setup for a failed relationship? There's no commitment there. There's no long-term all-in. Uh, so someone said, well, I'm worth a lot of money. I have a big company. How do I know? What if she's just in this to, uh, you know, to take, take my stuff? I got an idea for you. Maybe don't marry her because you don't know her. <laughs> well, what if they're in it? Don't you know the person you're going to, you know? And if not, you shouldn't get in this relationship. And if you do, you have to know the person up front. And then you do take the risk. How many know there is, a, there is a, some degree of risk in committing your life to another person that is also a flawed human being? We are all going out there. Yes, someone could do us wrong and, and do wrong. But that's what marriage is about. It is, a, it is a, a step of faith, but it's not based on no knowledge. But it's, these, it's this backdoor mentality. I have a way out. I can do this. I can try this. That really sets people up for failure. Right from the get-go, you're starting. You can't add anything off of that faulty, cracked foundation. You know, there's this, uh, there's this television program on right now, uh, one of these semi-reality shows. And, uh, and it's, it's called... Um, married at first sight. 
okay? <laughs> uh, what they do in this particular situation is they've got their, you know, their personality experts and doctor this and doctor that that figure out, okay, these couples should match up and they should be a good uh, connection. But literally, then they sign up for it. They get into this. And literally at the marriage ceremony, when the bride comes walking down the aisle, that's the first time they've ever seen each other. And they walk up and they're trusting all the experts and they get married. Full on vows, full on kiss, uh, everything. And then they go on a honeymoon and then they live together and so forth for six weeks. And then they decide, this is how this, this is, I'm just telling you how they put this together. Then they decide if they want to get divorced or stay married. Now watch. That's called marriage. That's not marriage. Why is that not marriage? Because there was never from the foundation a commitment to that person to be with them, period. It was basically we're dating and we're going to enjoy the perks and we're going to live together and do all this stuff for a while. Then we'll see if we like each other after that. But how many of you can't really call that marriage? Even though, you know, they may be filing the papers and everything else. They're missing the spirit of it. The spirit of this is God designed this relationship to where there would be a lifelong commitment from that foundation. Now, I don't mean there's nothing preceding that. There is a lot of decision making going into making that decision. But once you make it, it's supposed to be exactly that. You've heard the language in marriage vows uh, for better or worse. You know, I don't like to have negative things in vows myself, but, uh, but this is still a true statement that when you marry someone, you're getting their better and you're getting their worse. All right. Hopefully you found out about their worse before you committed to them, but it is there. All right. If you've been married for very long, you found out, yeah, this person's not perfect. <laughs> Welcome to reality. Real reality. Real reality. Yeah. And so, um, you know, can, can you imagine living with a person and endeavoring to plan a future knowing that at any moment they might change their mind and say, you know, I'm going to do something different? How do you prepare for a future? How do you plan for a life together if it doesn't have that commitment as the foundation and core of that relationship? Relationships are built on trust. And that trust has to be a commitment. Mm -hmm. You know, you also make decisions differently if you go into a relationship entertaining a way out. Even small decisions. You're only half-hearted about certain things. You don't really try if you know I can always get out of this when it doesn't work out. Case in point, you, you buy something to try it out, and you know that you can to return it, right? And so if you don't like the item, well, maybe if you knew, if you're making a major purchase, and you know, I cannot return this when I'm done. I am going to have to really consider the cost a little bit beforehand before getting involved in that purchase, just like marriage. You can have to consider the cost a little bit if you know this is the end, we're not making another choice, we're staying together. And you don't entertain the idea of a way out. We, we laugh sometimes when we're driving around town about how many mattress stores there are. And if you own one of those, we pray blessing on your business. And we do like mattresses. Praise God. Thank you. And, uh... However. <laughs> For sleeping. 
It's it's a little bit okay. <laughs> Stay on track. This is commitment commitment Sunday. Ironic that you know mattresses come with these 20-year warranties. Sorry, I'm still back. I know, figured that out. Uh, they come with a 20-year warranty, but their new stores are popping up all over the place, and you've never heard of the store. You don't even know if it's going to be there next year, let alone 20 years when you might need to cash in on that warranty. So, you know, that makes you consider the mattress purchase as well. Like. Do I really want to go to that store that's been there for five minutes? Or maybe I want to go to someplace that's been around a little bit and has some track record. And I, I trust them and I know wh- where, you know where they stand and I can take this back if I need to. And so um, the point is, you, know, you, you really have to consider what you're getting. Like I, you know, like I mentioned about the shoes, if it's, it's the middle of the war and you get one pair of shoes, you're going to pick something that's going to last, something that's going to be functional and sturdy and match a lot of things. And, you know, I'm just, <laughs> not that your spouse has to match a lot of things, but, I mean, you just consider every You just detail. don't go with anything. <laughs> you, you consider all the details before that before you make a decision. You don't just jump in thinking, well, I'll just get a new one if this doesn't work out. Amen. Scripture said in, in Psalm 15 in verse 4, the last part of that verse speaks of the individual who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Okay? That's a commitment right there. That's a commitment. You say it. Hey, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to do this. This is, this is my decision. And that's final. I mean, I, I say that, that's, kind of, that's kind of a tough deal. That's the way this works, though. Mm-hmm. That's the way that marriage works. That's the way a relationship uh, stands the test of time. That's the, way it, the reason it's going to be that way long term. Isn't the very last words of Jesus, if you read down there in like Matthew 28, what, what did he tell us? He said, and lo, I am with you always, always, even until the end of the age. Isn't that powerful? Think about it. The Lord's promise to you is that I'm never going to leave you. Mm -hmm. I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to leave you. What, What if people mess up? I think he probably knew that they would. What if they do some stupid things? Just not going to leave you. And what does that produce in us? It produces a great security. It produces an ability to be confident in this relationship that even though I don't, even though I blow it sometimes, he's not leaving me. See, that's a, that's a, what it does to our hearts is it works in us a desire and an ability to remain faithful to him. Why? Because he gave me his word. He said he wouldn't leave. Amen. Now, when we talk about commitment, where does an absence of that begin. Temptation begins right here. And here's what we should watch out for. If you're married, watch out for this. It is the imagination. It is the the dream when you're especially this happens if you're in a tough situation or things aren't going so well, but you start thinking about being with someone else. Imagining your life, and that might be a real person, it might not be a real person. Might be some fairy tale on TV or some script and someone's acting it out, not knowing that that person in real life has five divorces. But on screen, they look amazing. 
right? And it might be a real person that you know. But you go there in your mind, you start thinking, if I was with this person, my life would be this. My life would be better. My, they wouldn't treat me like this. They wouldn't do this. And that's where that temptation begins. Commitment starts to wane right here. Listen, I've got to encourage you. This is true in all areas of temptation in life. Stop going there. Stop going there right up here. Stop imagining yourself with something else. Because that, all that's going to do is make your present situation, make your husband wife look worse. Because you're pitting them up against perfection. You're putting up, uh, them up against something that doesn't exist. Have you ever done this in your own life where you compare your reality to someone else's highlight reel? You do that on Facebook all day long. And people look, oh, they're so happy. They're so perfect. Their life is so great. Look at all this. And they're always on vacation. And they're always this. And every... That's not their whole life. And we look at that and we know our reality. We look in the mirror and th- look at the things we deal with. And we feel discouraged as a result of that. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, where were we? I'm adding stuff, so it's totally messing us up. <laughs> Jesus never leaves us or forsaken us. He didn't leave us or forsake us. No. Amen. If you're married, maybe you want to say this with me today. If you can, don't lie. But speak by faith. Say, I am, I am committed, committed to, my spouse. to my spouse. I will never leave. I will never leave. I will never forsake. I will never forsake. Now, I, I know sometimes you make statements like that. If there are individuals here that are on their, your marriage is on the rocks or things are not going real well, it's tough to make that statement because you think, I don't know if it ever can be. I don't know if I want to say that again to remain in this pain and this struggle and this difficulty. And I understand that. My encouragement today would be to you, if you're in a real rough situation, just to hold on for a little while because we want to get you back to seeing a future and a hope. And when some things are described and explained this, this month, you're going to be able to make, I believe, that you'll be able to make that statement again with confidence and desire and say, yeah, I will not leave them. But when that statement can be made and it's from the heart, that produces the foundation to move forward. Are there going to be disagreements or struggles at times? Sure, but it doesn't matter. We're in it together. If we don't, if something doesn't go real well, if we have some trials, but we're in it, we're in it together. We'll never leave. That commitment sets the stage for success. Whereas that commitment not being there, the door is wide open to have all kinds of options. Amen. Well, uh, I think about it in this regard. Sometimes individuals, a husband or wife may not want to make that statement out loud because they think, hey, if I say that. He's just going to stay the way he is. He's going to keep doing. He's, she's going to keep acting like this because she knows she's got me and I'm never going to leave. And she's taking advantage of my commitment. But here's the other side of this, okay? Someone's got to be in faith. I am not talking just about uh, we follow enough good advice, everything will be okay. We need the love of God. Yeah. We need the grace and favor of God in our relationships. And especially if something has turned sour, uh, you, the grace of God can fix it. But somebody's got to take that step of faith and believe. Somebody's got to say, bless God, I'm here for the long haul. I'm going to believe God for this thing to be turned around, for it to be strengthened, for it to be better than it has ever been before. Is that Who's that going to be? Well, I want it to be him. I want it to be her. No, why don't it be you? If two people get in faith, hey, we can shake the world. 
But I tell you, one person can get the ball rolling and, and get this thing going. I like what Tozer said. Uh, faith intentionally puts yourself in a position where you, where you can't go back. That's true with all things. Prayer, healing, victory. We, we're, taking, we're going out there and, you know, we're either going to walk on the water or we're going to sink. But we're committing ourselves when we step out of the boat. Saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to put my life towards. I'm doing all the talking, so why don't you talk? Okay. Well, uh, we like to cite this study that's extremely interesting. It was published by Focus on the Family, and they followed uh, approximately 5,000 married couples. And of that 5,000, there were around 600 to 650 that reported that they were unhappily married. And so what the study did is is it went back five years later and interviewed those 650 people that said that they were unhappily married. Now, some of them stayed together, and some of them got a divorce. And they interviewed both uh, after that five-year period. And 80% of the people that chose to stay together reported that their marriage was better or, or, let me quote it just a minute, that they were happily married or much happier five years later. Interestingly, the people that got divorced, when they interviewed them, they stated that they were not happier five years later. I think that's powerful. Because watch, there was no other element to that. Right. No other, did you, go through, did you go through counseling? Did you do this? Did you fix all these things in your life? The only thing stated that they did is they stayed together. Yep. Do you know what that, tell, that tells us? That in the very word commitment is the power for happiness. Yeah. I don't mean there aren't other aspects to a relationship. We're going to talk about some. There are some other things we can build upon. But just in that very thing alone is the potential for people to experience happiness in their life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just, man, it's a rough spot. It's, it's miserable. Things are not working out. Just staying in there has a lot of powerful potential. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me give you this list of uh, uh, differences between convenience and commitment. All right? You might want to write these down, um, or you can take a snapshot of the screen. All right? We'll put these up on the screen for you. I got these from Maxwell about 20 years ago. Convenience is emotion-based, whereas character, or as, whereas commitment is character-based. Convenience asks the question, what is easiest? Whereas commitment asks the question, what is right? Convenience says, when I feel good, I'll do it. Commitment says, I'll feel good when I do it. Convenience is controlled by moods, whereas commitment is controlled by priorities. Convenience is a selfish mindset. Whereas commitment is a servanthood mindset. Convenience has the life and lips disagree. Whereas uh, as commitment, life and lips agree. Under convenience, it looks for excuses. But commitment looks for solutions. Convenience is outwardly motivated. Whereas commitment is inwardly influenced. Convenience quits during tough times, but commitment continues during tough times. 
Convenience whines and commitment wins. Isn't that good? And obviously, if we're going to have godly relationships and successful marriages, they cannot be based on convenience. If it works out right. If you make a lot of money, if you stay skinny, if you this, that, and the other, and a million things we can add, I'd say, isn't sometimes money an issue? Isn't sometimes some of these things an aspect of marriage? Yes. It's just not the building blocks. I know people have issues and sometimes, and we're going to deal with some practical stuff as we go forward. But it starts with this. It is this foundation of, of being committed. You know, it's become very popular in our society today uh, for couples to live together prior to marriage. Okay? It's becoming more, seeming even more and more popular. And the idea is, hey, we're going to do a little test drive before we make the purchase. <laughs> Try things out and see if it works. Say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, one of the things is this very subject we're talking about. It's the perks without the commitment. It's people want to act and get the benefits of a marriage without the commitment of marriage, but marriage is based on the commitment. It's it's never a true picture of what the relationship can be because it lacks the foundation. Does that make sense? Okay. We're interrupting God's design. It is His design from the very beginning by approaching it that way. And now watch. If you're a believer, remember, there's something called sin, so that doesn't help. And, and you know also, here's another deal. Statistics even show that those who approach marriage that way have a more likelihood to divorce. I mean, it doesn't make sense to our thinking. We think, hey, that makes sense. Try it out. It doesn't work. It just really doesn't. There is something built into, it is, it is part of commitment that makes a relationship work. And it can be said about many different types of relationships, but it absolutely, most certainly is the case when we're talking about marriage. Let me give you this, this verse in closing. Proverbs 18.22. This is a good one. I used to quote this one when I was single. I'd take it to the Lord and remind him. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Listen, friends, if if you're married, you're involved with something that God's involved with. He's on that already. You found a good, you either found a good thing or you are the good thing. Come on, how many know we got to learn to focus on what's good? There's something good going on. And here's something else. You know what's there? What's present? God's favor is there. Come on. It's time for us to see that again and acknowledge it. God's favor is on me. God's favor is on our relationship. What does that mean? It's, that's God's grace. It's God's ability. It's, it's His wisdom. It's His empowerment. It's His strength during the tough times. It's Him enabling us to stay committed when we don't feel like it. The favor of God, the grace of God is in your home already. But sometimes we've been looking at the trouble, we've been looking at all the problems, and haven't been acknowledging God's goodness that's present on the relationship. It would do us well, especially during a hard time. Say, thank you, Lord, your favor's on me now. It might be when you're dealing with an idiotic decision someone else in the home made. Thank you, Lord, your grace is on me and her. 
and him, you know? I'm seriously, don't take that the wrong way. I'm trying to include everyone. Uh, But acknowledge it. Say, thank you, Lord. Your grace is on us for marriage. Your grace is on us to have a wonderful life together. We can do it with your help. Without you, we're toast. But with you, we can do do this. It can be wonderful. That's God's plan. Amen. Amen.